playoff picture coming into shape. What up? It is the Air It Out Podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes, InsideTheHashes.com. Everything you need college, everything you need high school, everything you need for the NFL going on. We might even take on the AAF. Anybody watch that uh, draft last night? A couple familiar faces uh, getting picked up in that AAF last night. But uh, it is Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Jerome Jones, and Kevin Crockett. Anybody watch that last night? Huh? Nobody looked? I didn't even know what was going on. We'll dig into it. Okay. We'll have an AAF podcast sometime soon once they finally uh, get off the ground and move a little bit. Trenton Richardson, just starting that comeback. Mm. Oh, yeah, now everybody wants to make some noise. Yeah, there's there's some names in there that you're like, oh, snap. Uh, yeah, so uh, Christian Hackenberg might be making his comeback. Oh. You know, you never know. Bruh. You know, bruh. Uh, but, yeah, so um, on to the NFL. Uh, things developing, playoff pictures starting to come together, uh, and as you take a look at the divisions, some two games out, some three games out, some people just running away with divisions. Uh, you look at the Rams at ten and one right now, and the rest of the NFC West kind of looking up at them. Uh, but there are three divisions with teams just one game back in the win column. So Avery, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Baltimore, the Chargers. And the Eagles, which team is most likely to leapfrog from one game back and win their division? Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, I think they would have the best chance because they're the best team that I see um, from those teams available. Um, I feel like Baltimore, um, they're, 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 they're playing well with, with uh, Lamar Jackson at the helm at this point, but at the same time, he still is a rookie. Um, and I think, you know, if they were in a situation where they had to essentially play for their, for their lives, um, I don't know if he can get it done just because, you know, he's not, it's not like he's spreading the ball around. I think teams are going to, you know, figure out a way to stop him from running around as much. Um, unless they decide to go back to Joe Flacco, at which point then I guess you can make a case for Baltimore. But I think, like I said, it just comes down to who is the best team out of those that you listed. And I think that, um, the Chargers are, are that team. Um, I think the injury to Melvin Gordon is going to be um, a little bit rough for them. But at the same time, I think they have enough um, on both sides of the ball to kind of make it over the hump. So I would have to say if I had to choose, I would I would go with the Chargers. Chris? Um, yeah, the injury to Melvin Gordon was really devastating. Also, let's not undersell the injury to Corey Legion, who's also out for the season. So that run defense is really going to suffer now without Legion in the lineup, even with Bosa coming back. Um, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Avery, you pointed out that the Chargers might be the best team that's one game behind, but I'm looking at an NFC East, and it's still a free-for-all for anybody in that division, whether it's Dallas, whether it's Philadelphia, or Washington. Washington looks like it's reeling now, especially with the unfortunate injury to Alex Smith. They or look like they're trying to get, grasp the straws for anything. That's why they probably picked up Ruben Foster off waivers. Dallas, to me, looks like the best team in the division right now, and we'll see how they fare at home because Dallas always wins that game at home in which you don't expect them to win. So expect I'm expecting probably a dogfight in Big D against the Saints. But I look at Philadelphia. They finally realized that what made them good last year wasn't just Carson Wentz just airing it out 40 times a game. It also a commitment to the running game. Josh Adams has really been getting the ball. He's been running the ball really well. Before that holding call to Jason Kelsey, they, he started off the game with a 57-yard run. And it really just shows that when the entire second half, even when they were down by eight, they still committed themselves to running the football. And when you saw that, 
um, when they ran that RPO and everybody started committing to that sweet play to Josh Adams, it opens up the field for Allshine. It opens up the field for Nelson Aguilar for that fourth down play. It opens up the field for Zach Ertz. When you commit yourself to running the football, especially down late in late December and January, you'll reap the benefits of the results. The same thing that the Eagles did last year with Ajayi, LeGarrette Blount, Corey Clement, and what you saw in the Super Bowl last year. I think the Eagles have the best chance of winning that division because it's a division that nobody has shown that they want to win yet. I think it's interesting. Uh, not only is it a division that I don't think people's anybody shown that they want to win, but I don't think it's going to take a whole lot to win it. You look at the remaining schedules for these three teams. The Chargers, uh, we're going to find out what they're made of because they go Pittsburgh, Cincinnati in the wild card pitch, uh, picture, Kansas City, you got your chance to make up that game. Baltimore, who's sitting in the playoff picture. And Denver, after that win against Pittsburgh at home last week, sitting in the playoff picture. Uh, Baltimore, I think to your point, Avery, uh, you know, if push comes to shove, is Lamar Jackson going to continue to be able to run for over 100 yards or are they going to go to Joe Flacco, just kind of trust the devil you know versus the devil you don't? They have Atlanta, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, the Chargers, and Cleveland, so not a brutal schedule. But you look at what the Eagles have left, and the reality is that eight wins could very well win that division. You've got a game against Washington with Colt McCoy at quarterback. You could then get a game up on the Cowboys, who I, I think we could all agree – New Orleans looks like they're rolling right now. So New Orleans and Dallas are playing each other this weekend. You know, you get that win against Washington. You get that win against Dallas. You've got to play two division leaders in the Rams and Houston in the following two weeks. But then you close again with Washington. So right there, if you handle your divisional games, you're at 8-8 eight and eight with an undefeated record in the division minus that one loss to the Cowboys. But you've made that up. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But if you just look at the schedules that are left for those teams – you would think that Philly probably has the easiest walk to get there. Uh, Avery, I want to come back to uh, your point, and I'm going to actually uh, switch over to, to Chris here and ask him about that because he brought up the flack, uh, the, the flack, the fact that either Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson, we don't really know if Baltimore gets in the playoffs, who is going to be the quarterback. So, Chris, I'll go ahead and ask you, who's the quarterback if uh, Baltimore makes it in the playoffs? I think you're going to see a similar situation that Sam Fran had a few years ago when Jim Harbaugh was there. If Lamar Jackson uh, continues to have success and, you know, with Gus Edwards and the rest of that offense, you got to ride the hot hand and you got to have Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, start for that playoff game if Baltimore makes it. And let's not sell Lamar Jackson's shirt. The guy's a former Heisman winner. He's had played in big-time bowl games before. I mean, granted, it's a lot of different perspective in, than playing an actual NFL playoff game in early January. But he has big game experience before. And Lamar Jackson is going to be the future quarterback of your franchise. So what better to get him acclimated into a playoff-ready team than to have him start a playoff game at home or on the road to start off your tenure? Because you have to think that John Harbaugh is going to mutually part ways with the team next year, potentially. Joe Flacco's on the last year of his deal. You're probably not going to bring him back, especially for the amounts of money that quarterbacks are getting right now. So... Why not start Lamar Jackson and get the Lamar Jackson era going right in Baltimore? Avery? I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's a situation where if they decide to continue with Lamar Jackson in the upcoming weeks and he is able to help you get to the playoffs and potentially, you know, like I said, and potentially win your division, I think you got to ride that a hot hand. Um, and, you know, to all Chris's points, I mean, like you said, you know, you're, you're looking forward to the future as Lamar being the – uh, potential franchise quarterback, uh, why not, you know, uh, throw him out there 
at this point. Um, we've seen we've seen that it can backfire sometimes. Like if you look at you look back at something like RG three, but I think the, having RG three on the roster also kind of helps them because it'll help them look at him like and say, you know what, let's make sure we put him in the best possible uh, positions to succeed. Let's not overuse him. Let's not you know whatever. Let's you know if we can make the playoffs and we can make a run. Then let's let's do that. Let's count on our running game and our defense, which is uh, still uh, pretty top notch. Their defense, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of. So, I think that I think that if he's if he's the guy that gets you through the playoffs, then I think you ride that hot hand. The experience can't do anything but help him in the future. Um, so, so I agree with Chris. Yeah, and you, and with all due respect to Flacco and that amazing 2013 run that he had, going 11 touchdowns, no picks in that playoffs, you gain absolutely nothing. For for Baltimore's sake, you gain absolutely nothing for putting Joe Flacco in if they make the playoffs, starting him in that game, because we already know what you're going to get from Joe Flacco. Baltimore's probably not going to invest in probably bringing him back, much less probably making him a starting backup, a backup quarterback. He's probably going to be auditioning for other teams. Jacksonville, to me, is probably potential landing spot for probably Joe Flacco or New York next year. So if they're going to go to the playoffs, then Lamar Jackson's the way to go. And I think it's a situation as well where, let's say you do get to the playoff, um, whether it's wild card or you win your division, and you're in a game where it's 10-7 and it's, you know, the start of the fourth quarter and you're like, you know, it just doesn't seem like Lamar is going to get the job done. I think that's a possibility for Joe to come back and possibly make a case for himself, make a case for himself getting in the game. I'm not saying that they should do it. I'm saying that it's a possibility that they could. And it could also essentially increase the, um, the the asking value for somebody like Joe Flacco if they decided to go the trade route or, or something like that. So it's a possibility is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. I'm not saying that it's even the best idea. But at the same time, you know, could I see it happening? I mean, we've seen stranger things happen in the NFL, so... Well, I do understand her perspective because John Harbaugh is going to be doing anything to like fight his job. I'm not really a fan of if you have a rookie quarterback playing and he's struggling, especially like in that playoff game in that kind of environment. I'm not all for a fan of try, trying to like pull him out for the veteran quarterback because we've seen stuff in the past in which veteran coaches they accidentally, whether it's accidental or it's on intentional, sabotage young quarterbacks. And we have to think, like, a lot of this game, like, even though it's physically, a lot of things have to do with mentally. Was it really safe for Lamar Jackson that I got pulled for the fourth quarter in a tight game? You're saying, I can't get the job done. So, you're all, for Lamar Jackson, for no matter what the circumstance is, he's always going to be looking over his shoulder that he has to play flawless. And when you play, when you have to try to play flawless, you'll always get tensed up. And that, that honestly makes your job, in my opinion, a lot worse. And I agree with that. Um, I'm not in which I said, like I said, I don't think it's the ideal situation. I don't think that they should do it. And I honestly agree that I wouldn't like seeing that. What I'm saying is we have seen stranger things happen before. And we know how coaches and GMs and, and, and owners are. They're about winning football games. They don't really care about your psyche. They don't really care about um, how you feel or your emotions. Because if we're being, if we're being real... They look at players as, as, as numbers on a, on a board, really. Like, I mean, everybody can be replaced in their mind. So it's just like, I feel like, I feel like in their, their minds are like, what can you do to win us this game right now? And for some, for some people, it's like, what can I do to save my job or to save face or, um, you know, big myself up for the next potential job opportunity? So 
Um, like I said, I, I wouldn't agree with it. I wouldn't want to see that happen. I'm just saying we, we've seen stranger things happen in the NFL. Fair point. You know, I think you look at that Bills-Jaguars wild card game yeah. last year where both quarterbacks just couldn't get out of their own way. I, I think if you get to the playoffs, uh, you ride the horse that got you there. Yeah. Um, but I would say if they get through this Atlanta game and they get through this Kansas City game, because Lamar has been exciting and fun, to your point, Avery, there's film on him now. So, you know, is he going to rush for 150 yards every game? He could. Chances are somebody's eventually going to slow him down. He's shown that he can turn the ball over at times. Fortunately, they've got a good enough defense that can kind of help them hang out in games. But if he gets through this Atlanta game where Atlanta's a team that can score points, and he gets through this Kansas City game, a team that can score points, and he, I don't want to say even is struggling, but isn't generating it enough. Then you have three games left against a bad Tampa Bay team, a Chargers team that you're going to be battling for in the wild card, and Cleveland. So I think if you're going to stop the bleeding, if you're going to pull the plug, it's going to be sometime after these next two games. And if after these next two games he goes 1-1 one and one or 2-0, and oh, uh, then I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Lamar the rest of the season, even once Joe Flacco is healthy. But definitely an interesting situation going on in Baltimore. You mentioned trades. I don't think anybody's going to take on that contract at Joe Flacco. Uh, I don't think anybody's that desperate. There's not as many teams looking for a quarterback, and the reality is... I mean, more credit to Joe Flacco than, than Blake Bortles, but if you're in a situation like Jacksonville, it's like, okay, well, which situation do you like better? Obviously, you like Joe Flacco better, but you're not going to go out and trade and get that contract on your books and give up any sort of draft stock or anything like that. So definitely some decisions to be made in Baltimore. and Definitely a playoff picture that is still looking to shake out as we get ready to head into this weekend. A lot of big games. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Uh, some really good games on the schedule this weekend with tons of playoff implications. Uh, any game in particular sticking out to you so far? I'm going to go say Char- Chargers going to Heinz Field to take on Pittsburgh. I think that's going to be a really good Sunday night game. Um, the ball's going to be flying across the yard. And it's going to be really interesting because this is going to be the first time that we really see in a high-pressure situation for Phillip Rivers to be without his top running mate in the backfield. Uh, Melvin Gordon. You still have Keenan Allen. Um, you still have the Ageless Wonder Antonio Gates in spurts. But uh, for Pittsburgh, it's definitely go time for them trying to get legitimate separation from them for everyone else in that AFC North because they lost a really bad game in Denver. Um, you still have Juju Smith-Schuster. You James Conner, who's been slowing down as of late. Antonio Brown, his touchdown streak got broken. So it's going to be a really interesting game for me. Is Denver better than we think they are? I mean, we we knew their defense was was pretty good. In Case Keenum, even after last year, he he's not. I don't think you're overwhelmingly threatened by Case Keenum. He can beat you, but I don't think you're overwhelmingly threatened by Case Keenum. But twice Pittsburgh had the ball right do or die time to to tie the game, to mm-hmm. take a lead in the game, and weren't able to do it. it. It could Denver be one of those teams that all of a sudden? St- I mean, they played. The games that they've lost, for the most part, have been relatively close against good teams. You even go back to that Chiefs game. If Demarius Thomas is hustling at all down the sideline, that's one more win Both in the, the division. Games. Right, right. Both the Chiefs games. Uh, are they even that, that, game. that sneaky team? You've seen the Colts kind of be that sneaky team right yeah. now. It's all of a sudden the playoff picture. Is 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 Denver a playoff team? If they had a better quarterback, a better option than Case Keenum, then I would be more reluctant to say yes. But... You can only do so much with 
my opinion, a, a bridge quarterback like Case Keenum. It restricts you a lot from what you could do offensively. Defensively, they still have a really good defense. You still have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, who's been lighting it up with Von Miller. Um, you still have a top five corner on Chris Harris. I just think that they just don't do enough, consistent enough offensively for me to consider them to be an actual threat for the playoffs this year. So, Avery, taking a look at the games coming up this weekend, anything uh, sticking out to you in particular? Uh, yeah, before I get to that, I would just want to comment on what you what you asked previously as far as the, the Broncos. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say I think they are. I mean, the only reason I say that is because you look at what Case Keenum did last year in Minnesota. He got them to the playoffs, um, and they did it basically on – um, you know, running, running running the ball effectively enough to where he can be the play-action quarterback that he is and playing solid enough defense um, to get him there. So I think that what they have in, Boston, excuse me, in Denver is enough to do that. I think they're playing well enough defensively um, that they can hold teams um, to a certain number of points. I think Case Keenum is, is good enough um, to, to, to get you – you know, to the playoffs. Like, like, do I believe he's elite? No. Do I believe that he's some, you know, five-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback in the future? Absolutely not. But I do believe that he has. He's a he's a he's a he's a quarterback who can win you football games. And I think that um, I think that because of that, I think that if he does enough, he doesn't make any mistakes. Um, you know, moving forward, I think that they could be a playoff game. But uh, to the question as far as what games are sticking out to me. Um, it's actually really tough. I wanted to say Ravens-Falcons just because, you know, if the, if the Ravens lose that one, it kind of, you know, it, it shakes up that, that quarterback thing, and then it um, it kind of gives the Falcons life. It, not really, but it kind of does. Um, but I think I'm going to go with – I think I, honestly, I think I'm going to go with, with the Redskins-Eagles. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Redskins-Eagles only because um, that's a game that is really going to shake up that division. If the Eagles, depending on the outcome, right? So if the Eagles win now, you know, to Chris's point earlier, um, now the Eagles uh, can really take charge and really, like, make a push to win that division. Um, if the Redskins win, um, now you're looking at it like, you know, one, you're looking at what happened to the Eagles. Two, you're looking at are the Redskins still legitimate um, with, with Colt McCoy at the helm. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that game. Um so I think that's the game I'm, I'm, I'm probably looking at as you know having the most uh, you know implications for for the NFC uh, you know playoff picture. You know we talked about uh, Case Keenum in Denver. Uh, a game that's sticking out to me is Minnesota and New England because uh, New England almost seems like they're off everybody's radar right now, even with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski coming back and stuff like that. But um, coming back to Case Keenum, is there anything more frustrating than seeing a quarterback like Kirk Cousins or Case Keenum? who their game is thriving, getting out of the pocket, and then just quarter after quarter goes by and nobody's moving the pocket. There's nothing to change. I mean, you, you saw Philip Lindsay kind of go off, and that helped Case Keenum go off. You've seen, uh, you know, when Dalvin Cook's been healthier, Latavius Murray's been the running back. It looked like against Green Bay the other night they were actually moving the pocket a little bit for Kirk Cousins. So, uh, And especially this time of year when it's going to start getting cold, you're going to have to start playing some of these games outdoors, and the – passes you complete are going to have to be even more efficient than they are because you're probably not going to be throwing it as much especially if you love offensive football and you know what these quarterbacks are go- these quarterbacks that to your point aren't necessarily elite but you know can win games. you're not surprised if you lose to Kirk Cousins you're not surprised if you lose to Case Keenum 
but it's just interesting to see how teams approach. Obviously, situational football is going to present itself, but uh, especially down the stretch, it'll be interesting to see how teams approach it. Uh, no, but it is time for uh, 10 minutes to take, so I'm going to go ahead and throw some stuff at you guys here. And I'm actually going to start with Lamar Jackson because he has been exciting early on. Granted, uh, everyone's exciting against the Raiders at this point, but uh, Michael Vick came out earlier this week and said he thinks Lamar Jackson is going to beat his record of 6,109 rush yards. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Uh, Lamar Jackson ends his career as the leading rushing quarterback in NFL history. No. So Cam right now is on pace for, I think he just got over 4,000 yards. So Cam might beat Mike Vick before Lamar can beat Mike Vick. But uh, you think Mike's going to hold that spot? You think Cam gets there? I think Cam's going to get there. Because because of the durability issues, uh, Cam is six six. He's built like a tight end. I think his game and his body and the way he runs in situations is going to fare more better than Lamar Jackson, who's just barely over six foot. It to me, it's just a durability issue. I'm not sure how if Lamar Jackson is going to be able to sustain running for almost ten to fifteen years, um, especially at that height and frame. Even with the rule changes of how you can be able to hit. Um, Offensive players, I just don't see him lasting that long in order for him to break the record. I think Cam breaking that record is more of a reality. Um, I think that, I mean, you're, you're talking about durability and everything like that. Um, but, you know, people said the same thing about Michael Vick, and he put those numbers up. So I don't think durability is the, is the issue because um, he's, he's extremely athletic and he can, he can get around. I think, though, to, to, to Crockett's point, Cam – is still playing. Um, and then to your point, Cam is, is, is definitely bigger and stronger. So um, if you wanted to say durability would be a thing, um, then obviously, yeah, it lends itself more so toward Cam. But I think that – I think Cam um, gets there before, obviously, Lamar. I think he breaks Vic's record. Um, and let's not forget, you know, about uh, Russell Wilson. Like, let's, let's not forget his escapability um, and his, his, his ability to run the football as well. So um, – I think it, I think Cam definitely does it, um, but you know Lamar could definitely be you know shortly behind. All right, moving right <laughs> along. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott leads the NFL by 31 rushing yards, gentlemen. Ezekiel Elliott leads the league by 31 rushing yards. He ends the season as a leading rusher. No disagreement there. Todd Gurley uh, not far behind. Uh, again, just 31 yards away. But uh, feeling confident that Zeke's going to be the one to uh, take it and run with it right now. He's running pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I need to see um, both the Rams and the Cowboys schedule. So, But it's, I'm just going to go to safe bet. I'm going to go with Zeke. I think the fact that they lean more so on the running game in Dallas lends itself to Zeke, you know, um, you know keep, keep taking that rushing record. Uh, I think that um, the Rams, they – you know, they're, they're a more balanced football team. Um, like I said, I think the, the Cowboys know they are really dependent on that run game. So um, I'm going to give it to Zeke. Interesting, because if they need to play catch-up against New Orleans this weekend, they're not going to be running the football a whole lot. So we'll see uh, We'll see if Zeke can get it done by the end of the season. I'm going to give you the top three passers in the league. Matt Ryan, 3,683 yards. Big Ben, 3,664 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 3,628 yards. Patrick Mahomes ends the season with the most passing yards. Ooh, 
even after uh, ahead of the Wiley Vets there. We think Pat's going to be able to bring it home. See the MVP. Ah, that's that's tough. That's tough. I think I think at this point you can you can still make a case for him, but I think I don't know, man. Depending how the this this end stretch goes, I think Ty Gurley can can pull it out, man. Like they they like that guy, and he's playing very very well. I mean, I think what his his streak of what is it, thirteen straight games with a touchdown, or fourteen straight games with a touchdown, just ended. I think it's funny because I follow trends. The one of the most recurring things every single time a Saints game is played, especially during a televised game, is how Drew Brees is probably the best quarterback in NFL history to never win a regular season MVP award. And they keep like hitting it home every single time they can, especially every time he throws a touchdown. I think this is finally going to be the year. At 39 years old, Drew Brees is going to finally win an MVP award. Chris talking about speaking it into existence on the broadcast there. All right, finally, uh, we're going we're gonna to sit around the Thanksgiving table here for the next two questions. First question, we're the Watt family. We're sitting there. J.J. leads, the, uh, leads his brother by a sack and a half in the sack column. By the end of the year, T.J. Watt has tied or surpassed his brother in sacks. You're both disagreeing. Yes. think because J.J. Watt has missed the past couple of seasons because of injury and all the attention for defensive player of the year has been going to Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and not even just that, the best defensive player on the planet. I think J.J. Watt is going to be making a mission upon himself to not only win, come back, potentially come back player of the year away from, in my opinion, the front runner Andrew Luck, but defensive player of the year as well. And plus, you have to think about the help that he also has in the front seven with Jadavion Clowney, Marcellus Whitley, um, and just everyone else. Watts on a mission, and the fact that he's doing it as a 3-4 defensive lineman is even impressive then of itself. And finally, you have one Tupperware container. It is Thanksgiving Day. You're getting sent home with one side. We're not going to talk about turkey here. Stuffing is what you're putting in your Tupperware container. Okay, Avery, what do you got? Um, if I get one side, one side... All I need is one side, one side. It's, without question, going to be mac and cheese. Okay, you know, and mac and cheese... I I found a lot of people debating mac and cheese, uh, whether it's a Thanksgiving dish or something like that. Like, what are you going to complain about mac and cheese for? Like, ever. But I will say, from a from a traditional standpoint, typically most people would say that macaroni and cheese isn't a part of their Thanksgiving meal. I can't really disagree with that, okay, Chris. 
Nah, I gotta take home the stuffing. Yeah. Stuffing is probably my favorite side dish on uh, Thanksgiving. I eat mac and cheese all the time, so my mom makes it all the time. She almost makes about every week, so it's not really that special to me. But stuffing, I could just I could just eat plate after plate of that. I could also make a cake for mashed potato. Uh, make a case for mashed potatoes. No, you're done, Avery. I'm done talking to you. No, you done all this homer talking, this nonsense, making up. I don't know about mashed potatoes. You can die alone on that hill. All right. I didn't say it was number one. I said you can make a case. The greatest trio of all time is mac and cheese, candied yams, and collard greens. It's like the trifecta side. That Jerome gives a thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, that is the Air It Out podcast. It's brought to you by Inside the Hashes, InsideTheHashes.com for all of your football needs. For Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Jerome Jones, I'm Kevin Crockett saying enjoy the NFL this week. Peace.